Hello, and welcome to the Acolytes of Merlin. Today, we will be discussing Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clark. We are your host, Johnny, and tonight with me is... Special guest, Tim. Yes, who's been on for a couple other things before. So... This is a different book. This is this is not part of a series. I don't know. That might be the first. This might be the first book episode we've done that's not part of a series, <laughs> or or at least part of a greater universe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So Tim, you read the book and had been recommending the book to me for a very long for a, a long time. <laughs> yes. And I finally read it, even though it took me very long time <laughs> uh, but it was well worth the the, the wait yes uh, so do we yeah why don't we just go into it um well i, I guess um yes yeah, we're gonna be talking ahead. about just the 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 overall plot and uh, of the book um you know maybe we just kind of start with you know what what about the book what about the story uh you know really captivated us and and you know really made us um, you know, for me, what made me want to recommend it to you? And then, you know, you, you know, what really pulled you in and, and you know, made you enjoy it the most? Yes. Okay. You can go. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, so I think for me, um, it, the, the atmosphere amplified the, just the story so well. Um, I mean, this, this could have been, um, uh, th- this exact same plot could have been done with a more comic tone or a darker tone or uh, even a more fantasy tone. But because it, it was done in, um, you know, um, you know, Napoleonic England and, um, you know, King George is still there and, um, and it, it's still um, steeped in British culture. Oh, yeah. I, think, um, I think that first and foremost is is what impacted me as I was reading was it was very British and the the fact that there was a British system of magic uh, that was also very British um, the, the the tone of the book the style of the book carried how the book was told it was very postmodern in that regard and I, I just that that feeling that atmosphere is is what i loved about the reading experience yeah that she really captures that very well like that's definitely one of the strengths of the book uh, i i do think sometimes it was what brought the book well i guess i'll start by saying i overall really enjoyed it it is a very uh but it, it, I, I would phrase it as a very slow burn that is masterfully crafted, is what I would say. Yes. Um, so the atmosphere, yeah, it, it, that the kind of and like it, it is almost every other chapter, and this is what British magic is, and this is what British magic. Uh, I don't really go into what British magic isn't, but uh, yeah, that was interesting. Interesting and like obviously in the beginning it's just Norrell is like Norrell is British magic and then Strange gets involved and then you have the competing philosophies and what is like British magic and I mean I would say it's a larger it becomes a larger discussion about just what is magic and how to explore and study it but the Britishness is still there like you said it's it, it, it's it's a fantasy story but it is a 
it is a like almost his, it's like a historical fantasy story. Uh, yeah, uh, even though the historical stuff it's it's important, like all the Napoleon all the Napoleon stuff, but it's still very like it's like this the stuff with Napoleon and the war is there to serve the the kind of philosophical or larger plot about what is magic in Britain. Uh, well, and I, I, to go right. off of that, um, I, I think from the his, you know historical fiction standpoint, this was genuinely like, how would the Napoleonic War have been fought if magic were a thing? Um, and I think that was really cool too. I mean, the, the whole fact that, you know, Norrell wanted to do practical and magic again because he wanted to help the war effort, ultimately. Um, I mean, there was other conceit with that as well, obviously, and we can talk about that later. But, I mean, it ultimately was like, yeah, like, I, I want to help fight the war. How many other books that are non-magic, like, are that's the plot point, where, like... I'm I'm this scrappy 16-year-old kid and the war is happening and you know it's impacting my family so now I'm going to go enlist and help out and the entire story might be a coming of age story with the backdrop of the war this was no different in that the war was the backdrop the war yes. was uh, a big you know catalyst for things and being that it was a real war yes um, but, so it was just but, kind of cool. yeah well obviously yeah but like like the plot impact of the war, like like the war impacted other things as opposed to uh, like as opposed to other things impacting the war. Like for example, oh, yeah. it, it it wasn't the plot of the book is not can they defeat Napoleon. the The plot is will they bring British magic back? And well, how Strange is doing it, like well, Norrell hates that. And he thinks that what Strange is doing is wrong. And while Strange's experience in the war is shaping how he wants to go about studying magic, uh, as opposed to they study magic in Britain and the climax is, and the climax is Waterloo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the book ends because they defeat Napoleon and now they're saved. <laughs> uh, but that's not at all. That's not at all with the plot. I mean, that is a, Point, like you said, it's an important one, but but it's not like you said, it's not Norrell and Strange enlisting because but but because like they want to defeat the French, right? And and that easily could have been a book or the book. Um, you know, everything with Thistledown hair, everything with um. Arabella and the pools, uh, and you know that all could have been scrapped, and this still could have been a book about Strange and Norrell wanting to bring magic back to fight the Napoleonic War, and them having differing opinions on how to do it. And I still probably would have enjoyed that book. I, I mean, would have enjoyed that it, if that was the direction they went. Then I would have wanted you, like, if you're effectively cutting out the fairy stuff like with Thistledown and everything, that I would have wanted to have antagonists on like the other side of the war that are doing like the same thing. Because are there any, are there any like French, do we meet, they mention magi like magicians in other countries, I think, but they don't really, like I don't know if we meet them. They're certainly not significant if they're mentioned. Yeah, again, I think um, it was just like in passing that, you know, there were other magics out there, but um yeah, I, I was going to say, but yeah, I, I don't think it was at all developed. And I'm okay with that. 
Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Like, I, I'm okay with that because the central, the actual conflict, like the the like Thistledown is the main antagonist. Yeah. Uh, if you want to call him that, um, as a whereas, like, if it were the if the French were the main antagonist, then I would have wanted to. I would have wanted to have more French magicians, or not just French, but other magicians from other countries. Because then, obviously, you don't really have fairy stuff as much, which, well, in this book, it's the more interesting stuff. <laughs> uh, is like a, a, any scene with Thistledown is probably is, was is one of my favorite. It's a, it's a great scene. <laughs> well, and, uh, and to kind of pivot to that, um, I, I think he was such an original antagonist, such an original take on um, like the the trickster. Um, character um because he's 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 malicious he's he's very vindictive but it is so subtle and it is so underneath everything else and and one of the things that i was thinking about as as i was preparing for this was it was a very deliberate choice for clark to say he was the gentleman with the thistle down hair and that that kind of frames him in a way that the reader cannot escape and the fact that it's always listed in the full like the gentleman with the thistle down hair did this or did that um because he was proper he was following rules and etiquette um but because he was a fairy it it, it had that trickery with it oh um, yes but it, it wasn't like a, a puck um, it wasn't like an Oberon or Titania. It wasn't um, like a Reynard the Fox. It, it, this was like a very original sort of mischief and deviousness that I, yes. I, I don't know anything could be compared to that. Yeah, right. Because it's not just because it's not just like a, like Loki, like for, <laughs> and yeah. Because it well, like you said, like whenever like fairy stuff is done well, it's always super interesting. Like Dresden does it really well. Um, the Dresden Files, mm. um, obviously less subtle, <laughs> yeah, but like still, but yeah, what I liked, yeah, like you said in particular, the um, like that that kind of edge and beneath the surface, but also very obvious. Like the scene that comes to mind is when the him and Stephen Black are digging up the uh, the tree. Or the yeah. it's the specific type of wood that Thistledown needs to do something, and Thistledown's whole expression is, "Oh well, we're going to do this exciting thing where they're doing this awful, disgusting work in this mud, and Stephen almost like dies in quicksand in like the mud and like the swamp, mm-hmm. and like Thistledown's kind of going about it as if, oh, this is this delightful adventure they're going on, but like." As the reader, you know you're like, oh, he. You're like, oh, Stephen, he's he's got you. <laughs> yeah. Um, or or going off of that as well, like you know, at Lost Hope, it's you know, like, oh, you know, just let we'll dance all night and it'll be so much fun and it'll be absolutely amazing and like, um, I, I think that if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is a scene where, um, where Lady Pole like says like, you know, can I please, you know you know slow down can i please take a break and that's where like this the maliciousness and the mischief kind of like cross paths because in his world it's like well why why would anyone ever want 
to stop? Why would anyone ever want to slow down? This is a ball, and balls are amazing, and you th- th- you're, you're having fun. But at the same time, he would never say, you know, accept the answer of no. And and oh. that, that's sort of like for him, it's like, is, is he is he in his own world where like everyone is having the exact same type of fun as as he is? And he does. He just can't understand. I mean, that people have a different opinion or is it this just like he's malicious and this is how it's portrayed? I think it's. A little of both, because you, because you, because all of the fairies, at least, or at least how they're portrayed, is they all seem like they're having a lot of fun, and it's just the humans, like Arabella and Pole, like when Strange goes to the party. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll add something about this at the beginning, but full spoilers for the entire book for the whole episode. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll add something about this at the beginning of the episode when I edit it, but. Anyways, yeah, when Strange goes to Lost Hope, like like towards the end of the book, uh, there, I think it's, or well, he's, I think it's maybe Polar. Some someone basically says, "Oh no, Stephen Black is like, oh, like, are you are you able to like def- basically like, oh, are you trying to defeat him or something like that?" And basically, I think it's just the humans that aren't having a good time because you know they're not fairies so they're just right fundamentally different entities <laughs> uh yeah and like you said i think thistledown is not in fact the only person that really says truly says no to him well it's no one really truly says no to him until strange in that scene when he like curses strange because that's when he yeah. really flips out and then obviously steven at the end uh, right when he's like, good. When, when Steven actually has the ability to yes. say no. Um, but yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, like, I do think you're right that it's he's just not used to people saying no. Uh, and, and yeah, because even like when he's making Steven do all of these awful things, it, it's it's still it, it's Steven's reluctant, but he, but in the back of Steven's head, he's like, well, I can't show weakness or I I can't show that I'm like on edge. Uh, so, or or something bad, or like in particular, I remember in the swamp, he's like about to like sink into the swamp, and he's thinking, "I'm freaking out, but I can't freak out because then he'll just let me drown." <laughs> right. Like I mean, because he genuinely, like the gentleman with the thistle down hair, like would probably just say, like, "Well, if you're not appreciative of all that I've given you, then then I'm leaving. You know, I'll just walk away." Um, you know, absolutely would have happened. Um, yeah. Another thing that I really loved, and um, when we were talking about this, like we we didn't talk about Stephen until toward the end of when we were talking, but from a, a writing standpoint, like I felt like the foreshadowing of of Stephen becoming a king was was done in such a way that like yeah, like the the gentleman said like oh I'm you know don't you look so much like a king and like you deserve so much more like i'm gonna do everything i can to make sure that you're the king that you deserve to be and it it, that kind of sort of happened even though it wasn't the way that the gentleman would ever have intended And, and one of my personal theories is so is this how the raven king fulfilled his prophecy was through the gentleman and through the the two magicians and through you know the nameless slave. It was yeah, just that like the, the the strings that the Raven King was pulling 
was the gentleman with the Thistledown's hairs. That's a good point, because obviously the Raven King was one of the only humans to ever be a fairy king. Yeah. Also, I should note here that the ent- almost almost until the end, I thought that the gentleman <laughs> with the, the Thistledown hair was the Raven King, and that he was going to be like the antagonist that uh, Strange and Nora were going to have to face in some way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. Uh, obviously, that's not the case. <laughs> So I, I, my theory was that um, what, what, Viniculus, the the like the the beggar guy. Yes, the pro, the uh, prophet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but, I thought he was going to be the Raven King. Oh, that's interesting. I I got too many Professor Trelawney vibes from him to think that he was going to be kind of more more than he was, just because like it's. Like I got, yeah, I got a lot of Professor Trelawney vibes. Um, but one thing that I liked was that, um, you know, the Raven King wasn't fantastical. Like he he shows up very very briefly, and he's just a person. I mean, he's he's very you know dark and drab and dreary and, and gothic, but he's just a dude. Um, and and there wasn't anything. Um, outwardly in his appearance magical about him um and i think that's in line with it's a very british story because yes. both strange and and Norrell are you know, they're just gentlemen in london you know they they don't wear wear wizard hats they don't wave wands they don't carry pouches of herbs on their belt um yeah i did like that just in general um i i do wish like i i i yeah, um, yeah, and, and that the whole atmosphere and plot is very, we'll call it soft magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but like, because it's not about what abilities do they have; it's like it's about what atmosphere she's is she creating. And these are these gentlemen, um, the, the 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 kind of gen- British gentleman persona is not persona. Yeah, persona, I guess, is part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and going back then to the the Britishness of this, and and kind of like how the novel starts all, which is magic is a gentleman's endeavor, and it is a gentleman's affair, and therefore like Norrell is very much like like magic is to be done properly, and magic is to be and done by men. <laughs> yes, yes, only by men. And um, God, yeah. And and it's just just again imagining like you know trying to see like how French magic would work, how American magic would work, and and how that would deviate in this universe. And you know we'll probably never know what that is, but um, you know the, the way that magic is practiced and exists is is very very British, yes. despite the fact that that Clark incorporates you know the fairy realm, which is also a very uh, you know more Irish, but still a, a you know Great Britain. Um, you know, yes. mythology. Uh, yes. And, and and does that in a way that, like, is still true to form, but just is, like, if fairies were in, you know, you know, in the beginning of the 19th century England, they, too, would be gentlemen. Like, I, I liked that as well. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, because, yeah, with this whole time, or, I, I'm calling him this whole time just to shorten it. But, yeah, and I was calling him the gentleman. Yeah. It's too much to say. Yeah. Um, um, it's interesting on that note where she distincts books of magic and books about magic. 
Yeah. Uh, that was interesting. It's also interesting because Norrell, the hook is that Norrell is a practical magician who can actually do stuff. Like the big scene in the beginning where he makes all the statues come to life. And, uh, but then you get, but, and he's the practical magician, but he's still all about, you only learn about magic by studying it and reading books. And then you meet Strange, who's a really practical magic or magician. Uh, and it's well, not, not you only, well, it's not you only learn, it's you learn magic more through doing than reading and studying. Now, part of that's because, you know, Norrell has locked away, Strange, literally locked away the means by which Strange would have to uh, actually read about more about magic in his library, but. We can get to that later, but yeah. Well, and I, I also liked just because the tone of the book was set so early on and establishing like what exists in this world. But like magicians were people who studied magic, uh, studied the history of magic, and it's like, well, magic doesn't exist anymore, but it used to, and no one's debating that. So to be a magician is to be an archaeologist, it's to be an anthropologist, it's to be a historian, and I really enjoyed that because. That, again, was true to form to so many different things. You know, how many people um, participate in Renaissance festivals versus how many people actually um, are, you know, Renaissance scholars. And that goes back to the Britishness of um, it. a, a, a magician has to be respectable because otherwise they're just dabbling in things that you know, they don't truly understand. But a magician has to be a gentleman and has to... Um, you know, take their their exploits seriously because magic. You know, the study of history is very important. Um, right. But I, I just I liked how that framed you know the the the, the sort of parallel world that that exists. Yes, uh, it is going back to this is going back to like the Britishness a little bit, in particular in that beginning session. I remember Norrell's letter to like the Yorkshire Yorkshire Society. It's basically just this fabulous. A few letter, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, his whole just interaction with them, and it is kind of like where he basically bans them from doing any practicing magic. Well, they don't really practice, but by even calling yeah. themselves magicians. But it's also funny how like some of them like come back later on. <laughs> well, and I, I liked that because um, you, I didn't know because like, that was so early on in the book. Like I didn't know. What, what were the repercussions of that going to be? And I liked the fact that, like, it wasn't just a blip at the very beginning. Like, it actually had long-term consequences. So I thought it was cool that she, she found a way to reincorporate that, even if it was, like, just, a, again, just going back toward the end. Um, I, I thought that was really cool. Um, because then it would also, like, when, when Strange and Norrell did have, an, you know, they were in an hour of need, they were able to pull those resources. Um like John Segundus, yeah. like, um, you know, I really liked like John Segundus ends up like being more significant. Um, so he, again, he was just sort of a blip early on or, you know, end of the first book. But he, he's a blip early on and like, and most of the, and a, probably like a majority of the footnotes are from his yeah. book. But anyways. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I really enjoyed seeing all of that. Um, I also um, really enjoyed that um 
the, the, some of the sub characters like Childermas had because we were talking about like earlier before we started recording like Childermas like what agency did he have but like he has a really cool character arc oh, and he was super interesting yeah uh, and as I'm thinking about this like he he grew and developed a lot uh, and, and like one of my favorite scenes is when he's in like was it the bar or the the carriage and like he's using the cards of Marseille and like the Raven King's there and it's like you know actually like showing the future and because that was like a really frightening in a sort of like oh my gosh I don't know what's going to happen next but also like really intense really amazing moment um, and that kind of indicated like okay Childermas has things going on in his character arc that that Strange and Norrell aren't part of um, and it also yes. shows that like Childermas can like act outside of what, what Norrell tells him to do Yes, and and that scene, by the way, and going back to the so that scene, it's where they're in the pub, yeah, and Child and Childer Masters reading Vinkelis's cards. Uh, I I love in particular that scene. I love the atmosphere of just the pub. I could feel myself in that pub with Childer Mass and Vinkelis. Yeah, agreed. Like, yeah, like, I I could like feel myself like sitting down with a beer at that table. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Same here. Um, uh, on that note, some of the minor, like some of the minor tier characters, I kind of lost, tr- like, like track of a little bit. Um, yeah, like, uh, like some of the more, well, although I guess you kind of like, she, she does a good job of generally, you, you understand who's like actually important versus who's temporarily important. Yeah. Um, I always felt like the the drawer light subplot and uh, LaSalle, like that that was sort of like unnecessary. Like yes. I think it was kind of cool to see how the government was trying to manipulate him, but I, I think it could have been it, it didn't need to be there. Uh, now that said, um, it was kind of cool to to again going with the actual historical accuracy of like, hey, King George, he's cray cray. Can you fix him? Like, I, I think that was a really cool thing that yes, um, like she couldn't not include that. And I feel like you know, therefore, because King George had to be involved, like Parliament and the government had to be involved. So I feel like uh, yes, it would be random if yeah. Um. Or, you know, otherwise, like, you know, would she create a world where it's like, all right, so there's the Napoleonic War and magic exists, but, like, we're just going to make King George, he's sane. Like, that that would have felt like kind of a forced um, sort of um, alteration. Yes. Yeah, I would have, yeah, not quite worked as well. And that was one of my favorite scenes in the book is when he visits King George, especially because that's, that's a great example of the, like, real kind of antagonist plot with Thistledown intersecting with the British political uh, magic in Britain stuff. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, I agree. Though. Yeah, not all the political stuff was needed. Uh, there, there were... Okay, I'll like... If we're on things that like felt unnecessary... The family in Venice. Yeah. I still think that they're pretty... Well, okay, it's funny. So, in general, I don't think there's a lot of filler, really any filler in the book. Like, nothing, there isn't a ton in the book that just 
need like that just feels unnecessary that's one of them the family in venice and from from a plot standpoint it makes sense because because strange is is widowed he's grieving um and he's he's trying to you know both literally and figuratively escape um you know his his trauma um, and he's, you know, very much at a low point when all that is happening. And I felt like Clark just sort of like, okay, well, yes, the, it, it makes sense for for Strange to escape and and to to run away slash, you know, find a place to rediscover himself. So what happens when he gets there? And it, you know, it. I think it makes sense that yes. he he would, you know, you know, find the, the, that family and and you know try to uh, ingratiate himself with that, but. It just didn't. It, it wasn't well executed, or or, yeah. or, or maybe even like it, it it dragged down a little too much. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like like you said, I, I I get why she put them in there. And really, the only plot plot point they serve is in the end when they're there to get uh, Arabella from the mirror. Yeah, okay, I get that. But just the chapter and like they were they need to be there so that they could meet the um. Oh, what were they called? The so he oh so he could meet the crazy the like crazy woman to think. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah. Because that okay, that, that was the one important thing. Because that kind of is what that is kind of the catalyst for him to start trying to intentionally become quote unquote crazy, like and for whatever or what I forget what word she uses, but basically like what they would think of as quote unquote crazy because well if you're in that mental in a non-normative mental state it's easier to access fairy or see fairy yeah uh but but yeah i i just like those there's a chapter where it's just going on and on about just their and i get it like a lot of it is about british culture and like just proper british society or or not but just the whole chapter of the doctor and i'm like I, i was just like i don't I don't care. And there was some of that throughout the book, but like, it was usually just like a paragraph or two where I was like, okay, like I get it. This, this is the type of story she's telling. Whereas the Venice section or that the family in Venice, I don't know what the name, but Oh, Grace do. Um, yeah. yeah. Like that. Yeah. Like that. Th- that was the only section where, or part of the book where I was like, okay, does this really do they really need to be in the story um i mean now the like once he once things get going in venice it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and and when you had first mentioned it to me it was like oh you know this whole side quest into venice i'm like no like cool things are going to happen but you're right the family was probably not um as well executed yeah, because yeah, like the Venice, the, the whole strangest whole kind of uh, walkabout like makes sense for like the reasons you said, but the but that just that just got on me like because and I I think the reason it got on my nerves is because it was just as things were starting to ramp up because he leaves at like the height of his conflict with Norrell like right after he publishes the like the um. The article, like, denouncing both of them, but everyone knew it was really, like, mostly denouncing straight, or Norrell. <laughs> right. And then, like, his book's about to be published. So, like, he, and, so, like, once, which, all oh, that was great. I loved the whole section when the book was published and 
like with the apprentices and Norrell just making them all disappear, all the copies of the book disappear. Like he, he he's so petty, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but like th- that section, I was like, okay, I'm really excited to kind of s- for Strange to return and kind of have this and for this philosophical debate that we've been gearing up for to really kind of happen. Uh, well, and I guess we can get to that later, like that, the resolution to that. But but then it's like, oh, all right, well, he's just going to kind of be in Venice with this family while like his apprentices and the bookkeeper, like shopkeeper and stuffer and his like friends in government are like kind of sort of fighting against Norrell a little bit. <laughs> Well, and and going, you, you'd mentioned the resolution, and and one thing that I really enjoyed about the the book and how this book ends is, I mean, there's a very clear ending, like, um, but it's not the resolution that I, I was expecting because the the main antagonist is defeated, so you know, Thistledown yes. is defeated, and Stephen Black has a a full resolution, and. Um, you know, Lady Pool and Arabella, you know, they have their resolution and there's a sort of, you know, happily ever end after for, for those two characters. And the fact that, that John Usklus, uh, or the Raven King, like, does reappear and, like, does, you know, even though it's what, like, it was in a dream or, like, he, he made them forget or something. Um, but the reader got to see, like, Yep, he he's still there, and and you know we we now know you know that he's still there, but Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell, like, yeah, they're together, but like, did their relationship ever get really resolved? Did it really get the the resolution that I was expecting? No, and I loved that. I loved the fact that the readers are left with these two characters that are stuck in the darkness together. And therefore, they're they're working together, and they're they're on good friendly terms. But there's there's still a lot of unresolved issues there, and that and I love the fact that the book didn't resolve them. I agree to an extent. I do wish we had had a more well, well, okay. The the scene when they meet again is really good. Well, that whole section is just great when they're when they're in the um they're in the house and like it's strange has basically made it into a maze and like Nora realizes that and th- like that whole section was great uh and Noral kind of yelling like them kind of i think Noral's like well i thought you'd be like angry at me or whatnot like that was really good i did wish that we got a little more of a philosophical not resolution, but some sort of argument between them at some point. Uh, like, cause you kind like the closest we get is when strangest friends are like fighting to with Norrell about the book being published and all the like an antics that happen with that, which that was a very cool section, but it felt kind of like the prologue to strange returning and and I'm not saying I like I didn't want them to like duke it out because that would have been like in like a wizard fight because that would have been kind of weird in the in this book. Mm-hmm. But, but but I but I would have wanted a little more of some sort of like like a, a little more of a I don't know like debate or and again like may, maybe it's like they just exchange a little bit of like maybe there's a way to still 
like you don't have to resolve it totally, but it, but it, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That was just one of my kind of little gripes. But I did really like this. But I did really like the scene we did get with them. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, like go ahead. I was gonna say, um, I, I I really liked the end scene. Uh, like very much enjoyed that end scene because it. I mean, th- there could have been a book too. I'm fine that there isn't a book too, but. It's... Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think of what a book like. Sh- it, it's funny. I had this thought of like, it. It could have. She could have also published this as like two or three. She could have also published this as like two or three books. Like it. Uh, like it's 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 like long and dense enough. So I'm trying to think of what a sequel would. I mean, I. I guess you make it about them. You either make it about them trying to get out of the darkness, or you just don't make it about them at all. <laughs> yeah, because them getting out of the darkness, it's they, they're they're in the fairy realm, or they're exploring the fairy realm, and it's like so. So is it now like a buddy comedy of the two of them exploring the fairy realms and all of these other characters that we've already met and have relationships with, like not doing anything? And and if that is the case, you know you. You know, how do you then say, okay, well, Segundus and Childermass are now able to do magic. So, like, does she then say, well, we're going to have, like, section one where, like, here's magic back in England. And then section two is, you know, or, you know, plot two is, all right, well, we're, you know, doing magic in in fairy and and maybe introduce some other characters. And then the end of the book, they all merge together. Like, that just feels like what's expected. And I, I wouldn't want that because so much of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Earl was unexpected. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I haven't read her. Well, I, it's actually on my bookshelf. <laughs> Someone lent it to me, but the the book she wrote like last year, a couple of years ago, Piranesi. I don't know if that's connected at all. Um, I, I remember hearing the the plot synopsis like on NPR, and because you know the, the maze aspect, because of like the world between worlds aspect, it was like it's kind of hard. To not, but it very well could be that it's just you know what, like I, I have this really cool idea, so let's just use it in another book, and that's okay. Wait, so is it or is it not connected at all to Stranger I, I don't think that it is, but I okay, don't I, think that it's ever officially been said. That's been said. Okay, I could see that. Okay, yeah, if it's like happens in a totally different world or part of the world mm-hmm. or time or period, then not that it like really really matters. I just be would be curious um yeah because yeah like i said i don't know like sequel i I don't really think it needs a sequel yeah like Uh, i was very fulfilled with the the experience that i had yes yes uh oh kind of a on john usglass uh the raven king it was it was kind of funny that not i guess just funny in uh in um, in like culture with Game of Thrones being a thing and Song of Ice and Fire, that one of John Usglass's titles is King of the North. <laughs> oh, I, see, <laughs> I would never have remembered that because if when I read it, because I read it when it first came out, so I think I read it in two thousand five, uh, prior to Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, I, I would have seen that, just like not even remembered it. Oh yeah, no, like I and I only picked up on it because. I read it after like Game of Thrones, and I was like, "Oh, that's something we've heard before." 
Uh, yeah. Oh, also, while I'm, uh, I do want to touch on the war, the war session, the war section in particular, when Strange, like the kind of more extended one where Strange is there. I really liked that overall. Uh, like when he, like the the chapter when he learns, uh, he's like, well, how can I be of use? How can I be of use? And he's kind of doing all these random things, and I forget who tells him, but talks to him but they're like just go hang out with the men like the guys yeah the soldiers and he does and then he figured out I was like oh well this is a like they really have issues with this and transportation or whatnot well i can do this to solve that problem and then wellington is like oh this is yeah you're you're actually now you're being useful uh and i and i like that <laughs> uh, but, but but i but more the realization of strange really folk, like spending time with the soldiers and really getting to know them and figuring out what are their needs and how he could help them instead of just uh, in, in a more grounded way in terms of, well, how can I help the great like British cause against the French, which he did obviously, but yeah. Um, I, I think additionally though, uh, like one of my favorite scenes is um, when, when strange or not strange, when, when Norrell, uh, conjures like the phantom ships and yeah. and um like that was like so cool um but like he's talking about like he was a general on the sidelines and and, and like in in war is especially you know in you know the you know early 19th century war like generals they they hung out in the back and like they they gave orders and they had their sergeants and their lieutenants run out into the field um so again it's it's sort of both Strange and Norrell are gentlemen, but Norrell was fancied himself a general, and Strange didn't fancy himself any rank of the military. Right, um, he, he's just like he's, he was just like I want to do magic in service to the war. Yeah, yeah. All like also like so Strange moves the city of Brussels. To America. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was crazy. <laughs> uh, which is funny because it also isn't touched on, although it's implied they like they run into a Native American tribe that comes back to Britain and fights with them. Oh, see, I don't remember that, but I. I I'm like pretty sure that's what happens, and I'm not misinterpreting that. But any, yeah. But that was crazy when one of the military people was like, "Where are we?" And Strange is like, "Well, America." From what I've heard and seen on the maps, it's it's pretty empty or out back here. <laughs> mm. Um, and and as a magic system, because like again, like this this magic stuff like can do so much. The fact that you know entire you know cities can get moved across continents and like phantom ships can be conjured up and you know the fact that um pole was brought back from the dead sort of with magic i mean because it was the gentleman who ultimately did it but like you know fairy packs could be there but what i loved about this magic system was it was a little harry potter-esque in that like all right here here's what you need to do to make this spell happen but it's going to be a little imprecise it, it might not go the way that you're expecting it to go um and i really like that in in the contrast to wheel of time or stormlight where it's it's less about precision and more about prowess 
like, oh, I, I, if I practice enough, I'll, I'll be really, really good at what I'm doing. So if yes. I practice using these weaves, eventually I'll get it right. Or, you know what, I, I just have a threshold where I'm just, I'm never going to be a master at using these weaves and that's just the way it is. You know, what I really liked about this was how imprecise all of it was and how, um, I don't want to say guesswork, but it was just like, all right, well, I followed the recipe and this is what was supposed to come out and it didn't quite come out and I'm not exactly sure why because I followed the recipe exactly, but hey, I got close enough and that's okay. Right. It- and that works that it's like more quote unquote softer be- because per the Sanderson's laws, I forget which one, but like they, they don't salt like Norrell being able to do magic and like he, like he doesn't like shoot fireballs out of his hands and Napoleon loses the war. <laughs> like it's like, it's, they still like the, like they're a bit, like, like it's still, they still win and st- Strange is most useful because of the in how he how ingenious he is about using the magic and the different ways that like and uh like with making turning the ground into mud to slow down the French cavalry and didn't they have like uh, hands grab people? Yes, yes, yeah. So yeah, like stuff yeah. like that where he he made a big difference, but they but. But he was also still like they make a point of saying in the Waterloo scene he was he was just absolutely exhausted and like really like he had been doing all he could and they were still like they were still it was still like a like knockdown drag out battle. Uh, so just because Strange could do he was still doing all these extraordinary things, but that didn't and that helped them win. But they didn't like they they. But that didn't um, automatically win them the battle or the war just because they could do magic. Yeah. Um, And it was also the fact that, like any general or any soldier on the field, they they could execute a plan and say, like, all right, like, this is the intention. And something could happen. The, The enemy could have done something that countered it that they just didn't know. Um so uh, again it was like this magic is a tool it is not the the end all be all yes yeah no that yeah makes sense oh the other thing i real quick going back to the atmosphere in kind of britain i kind of would wonder what someone from like where neither of us are from britain but what someone from britain would think of like just the british parts or the Britishness, so to speak, of the atmosphere, and like what their perspective on that would be. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, especially um, if it was someone that knew the, the history well enough. Yes. Um, I mean, because the, the the interesting thing is, um, I mean, like the Revolutionary War with the the U.S. was thirty years before all of that, and you know, point. the the War of eighteen twelve was. During years, was it was it during? Yeah, well, it, it's during the course of the book, but because so I think it starts in like eighteen. Um, let me. Yeah, like it starts in like eighteen oh seven, and then it's like eighteen fifteen, I think, or seventeen or something is when it ends. Yeah, eighteen seventeen okay. is like when. Uh, uh, um. But, yeah. 
Um, and but I, I I don't remember that they made any allusion to the War of eighteen twelve. But like, I don't Britain, think they reference it at all. But go ahead, yeah. But like, I mean, the historical aspects were like Britain was doing a lot with against the U.S. during um, the the time that the book was happening, um, and you know that that was just such a. a how how do you even incorporate that? But that being said, had they incorporated something like the American Revolution or the the uh, War of eighteen twelve, us as Americans probably would have been like had a, a different appreciation. So I can anticipate that someone who is British reading about the Napoleonic War um, that had you know been taught the Napoleonic War in grade school and, and secondary school and whatever would would definitely have a different appreciation. Yes. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, also, it was interesting. Uh, oh, so the section when they were like strange and horrible, uh, we'll say when they were getting together. <laughs> uh, yeah. When there was really great, just when they, in terms of a, they're like, they're like, they would hang out and meet up and like do their magic stuff. And they would like, there's a sequence right there I've written down here where they, they cut between them and they're like, they're talking to their like wives or like, or, um, well, like children. Or, yeah. Or children. Yeah. Actually, no, there's not a wife, but like, yeah, like they're about, about the other person. <laughs> uh, and there's like, like, and like, Oh, like I like basically like seeing their praises. Uh, no, I just thought that was like, that was cute. And that was like a good, that, that was kind of a fun, uh, a, a fun section, especially since for the first part of the book, Norrell, is obviously like alone in his practice of British magic. Yeah, um, and, and I, I also really liked that that first scene because it. it when I then read later on, um, um, name of the wind, and both is like first going to the academy and like has all everyone well, like watch asking. The, well, watch the spoilers for. Oh well, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but like you know th- that scene um, was very similar. Um, I mean, I don't think it's too spoilery in that, um, you know, he, he just is asked questions about, well, what can you do? What do you Oh, know? yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. So I thought, like, that was very similar in that, like, Norrell's just, like, not, he, he wasn't as, he wasn't dismissive. I mean, it genuinely was like, okay, you're a magician, well, prove it. And then when it's obvious that, that um, Strange is, um, he does something with a mirror, doesn't he? Yes. Oh, he. I think he dis. He disappear. Um, or go or like go. Uh, through the mirror. I know. But I do go through the mirror later. Yeah. Uh, but like as I'm saying that, like, just because the mirror, you know, you know, getting Arabella through the mirror. Um. And then like like the whole like there's a mirror universe. Oh man, now I got to think all about that. Like just. I wish, okay, I wish we had seen more of the, like, World Between Worlds, King's Road stuff. Yeah. Like, I like I, I mean, I get that it wasn't, it doesn't end up being, like, essential. I mean, it kind of was, because that's kind of how Arabella gets back. But I, I wish we had seen a little more of that, just because that was set up as, like, Strange is like, I need to go back there. Norrell's like, you are never to go back there. And that was, like, a big conflict point. And I was like, well, I also kind of just want to know what's in there. Yeah. Oh, uh, and what are the different, the other, like, not that we need to see, like, the other worlds it connects to, but just a, a little bit more about that, just because that did seem 
it was a very cool concept and it seemed very like it was just like it was because uh, yeah because yeah because that was like one of the biggest like things that sparked them fighting is that and yeah, then the, that's that, right. that and the magical court which that yep. was also interesting because <laughs> yeah well because it basically would have been Norrell passing yeah, it was like, well, I'm deciding this as like you know the the superior magician. Right. <laughs> yeah, his yeah, not a not not a great system of justice. Uh, so yeah, so kind of wrapping up a little bit, we'll talk on some more any final random things we wanted to talk about or touch on, uh, and kind of any other overall thoughts or impressions we had. Um, um, yeah. I, I think the the one thing when we, we talked about the atmosphere and, and I think because so much of this kind of happens in a dream world, it, it's kind of hard to say like, you know, if fairy is like, you know, the dream world, but it happens when, when Paul and, and Steven are asleep. Um, but the book also has a dreamlike quality too. And yes. I think that, that really helped with the atmosphere. Uh, Cause again, um, it, when magic happened in the the waking world, it didn't feel like there was a dream quality to it. Yet the book has a dreamlike quality. Yes, and the and the, I think the narrator how like how she chooses to use the narrator also adds to that. Mm-hmm. Like kind of an eat the real, like somewhat sometimes like an omniscient esque commentary. Not not like not like not like in a way that breaks the story, but uh, or suspension of disbelief, but like it, it kind of adds to that ethereal, like a dreamlike quality. Yeah, um, and I think that was very masterfully done, um, and I think it was definitely something that Clark set out to do. Um, I mean, just like. You know the, the scene where you know Stephen Black is is shaving and and or is is shaving um, Thistle, and like even that feels like like there's just like a, 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 a haze over the entire scene as I read it, and and I don't yeah. know what she did to make that happen, but again, like I just remember like the world seemed hazy a lot of times, yes, and, and in a good way. But yeah, again, ma- masterfully crafted. Yeah. Um, other oh one way just a note on Norrell he's at times or, or just in general very arrogant <laughs> and, yes. and in particular like just the biggest sticking point being the library and it's like Strange is not well no one is allowed in the library but like Strange he never allows not, Strange in like the secret library where they end up <laughs> um, yeah. and even when they're in his library at his main house it's like well you're only allowed to use these books because I'm letting you. Uh, like I'm like, dude. Like <laughs> I don't know. I'm like you're you're. This is your. And I get it's 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 normal. It's him being. He's an, an insecure in some way that oh well, a strange going to become better than him. Uh, or like or more to his point, it would be well. I don't know. Like who studies magic should be very controlled, meaning only me. <laughs> right. With certain um, things. Well, and I, I, I think he, because Strange was not expecting any other magicians to be there, because I think it was genuinely like, or not Strange, uh, Norrell, like Norrell was very much like, 
All right, well, it's me and only me. Therefore, I am the end-all, be-all of yes. magic, and I am the authority. So I, I, you can't fault him for when Strange shows up, one, being younger, uh, but then two, being the second one, and, and Norrell being the established one, um, for Norrell to naturally take on, like, okay, well, you are my apprentice. Um, but there definitely was the jealousy, there definitely was the nervousness uh, behind it. Um, and, I mean, that's very apparent. Um, so, was he arrogant? Yes. But did he have reason to be a little... Oh, yeah. Obviously, he's super competent. And yeah. In particular, before Strange, like, he is the best. And, like, yeah. Yeah, like, he... There is definitely... There, he, it's not... Un, his arrogance is not totally unfounded. Yeah. Or kayak, or confidence, we, we can call it. Um, I do want to say it's about the book in general... I'd say it's a slow burn. It, it it is at times a little difficult to get through, like not not in a just in a like oh well I, like there were some times where I had to push myself a little bit to like keep going, uh, <laughs> just because it is a just because it is a just again I I enjoyed it, but just because it is a little bit at times it's a slower burn, um. And you really have to kind of, and so that's why I would say when recommending it, you have to really want to get into some of those Brit, that the British, or at least not mind the British society parts of the book, uh, and kind of know going into it that like the, that a very very large and important part of the book is about like just them having tea and not like just tea, but like them kind of talking and having a lot of these kind of meetings in their like drawing rooms and such. Which, and, and not all of them are, and some of them are about kind of just gossip and whatnot that isn't really plot relevant, which is okay because it's like character, good character work and like really good world building and for setting the atmosphere. But but it but it's definitely something to note if you're going to if you're looking to read if you're recommending or reading the book. Yeah, and it, it is it is a a thick long book like it is a, a hefty dense. book. Yeah. Like like I said, there's I mentioned like the great deals are kind of filler and like I, like in certain parts were a bit long winded with some of the descriptions and stuff, but like there isn't a lot of like you can't. Really skip any parts of it, <laughs> right? Like agreed. Yeah, like it's all. Yeah, like it's 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 very it's very dense. Um, but yeah, I, I I would agree that there were some moments that you know, like just I just want to get back to this other plot point. Um, I want to get back to what I found interesting. Um, like it, a, a lot of the the conversations with. Uh, Stephen and Thistledown were things that like scenes that we'd already seen before. Yes, but I but I all but I enjoyed it whenever Thistledown was on screen, so to speak. Yeah, no, I definitely. Um, but for me, it was more like you know get to get to the good stuff of that scene. If that that's makes fair. Sense. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I I, I get that. 
But I, I think anyone who who likes um, again, like uh, magic that it you know has that dreamlike quality. Um, I mean, this is just. Uh, I can't recommend this book enough. I can get that this is not going to be a book for everyone um, because it, it it's not as accessible as a lot of other higher fantasy books. But this is still a book that um, you know if if you enjoy British literature that is non fantasy, uh, you would really like this book. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, so it's 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 not as accessible in some ways from the fantasy point of view, but in certain other ways, if you're somebody, Lisa, that really enjoys the British literature angle, it's more accessible than some fantasy might be. Yeah, agreed. Uh, like, if, yeah. So, uh, I don't really have, I mean, I've, I don't have a, anything, I think we have pretty much. Yeah, I, I feel good about having, you know, touched upon everything that, that needed to be said. Yeah. So, I mean, great, great book. Well, well worth reading. It's, it's very dense and it's, it's, it's a long book, but uh, but definitely well worth reading and a lot of, and I, I, I get why it's so uh, well lauded and looked at. Well, I think that's it then. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, this is, I've been the, this is the, been the Echoids of Merlin. Uh, we're your hosts, Johnny and Tim. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.